church. That word, it carries a lot of weight, doesn't it? And it can bring so many different emotions. For some, it's a safe place where they feel close to God. For others, it's the place where they felt some of their greatest pain. And then for others, it seems just like a, a pointless waste of two hours on a Sunday. But the original purpose of church was anything but pointless. And it's so much better than just a place to feel close to God. And it's something that was supposed to bring healing instead of hurt. And it can again. But to find it, we have to take the time and even have the courage to reimagine church. So let's talk about it together. All right, let's talk about church. Now, I know some of you right away, even if you made it this far, you want to tune out. Don't. Give me a few more minutes and I'll make it worth your time. I promise. Or I'll give you your money back. So let me ask you a question. If you are a church person, like you, you know, you grew up going to church and you still, you still go, why do you go to church? Now, we know the right answers, right? Like all the religious Christianese answers. We know those. But what if we dug down deeper? Maybe what if I asked you, why do you go to your church? Well, then our answers would probably fall into a few categories. And they're usually based on a few preferences, like our preference of people, right? Like I go to this church because my, well, my friends go there. And it's where my people are, people who are like me and think like me and talk like me and look like me. That's, that's the church they go to. Maybe it's, it's personality, right? Like, I like the pastor. I like the teacher there. I like how he teaches or how she teaches. I like, you know, the personality and, and just the vibe that that leader brings. Maybe it's a preference of place. Like, I like this building. It's, <laughs> it's close to my house. This, for some reason, this building is, is where I feel close to God. Or maybe it's the programs that that specific church offers. Like you enjoy the religious experiences they give you, you like the, the style of music and uh, the way they do their services and, and the things they have for your kids and whatnot. And for some of us, we probably should throw in that we like their politics too, right? Now, not all of these are altogether bad. The, the church I'm a part of, Cross Creek, we've made some decisions on how we do things based on our preferences. I mean, that's human nature. But if we aren't careful, church can become just a place we go to have our religious preferences met. And when that happens, we have to watch out because church then becomes a religious club rather than what Jesus had in mind for his church. Now, one more question. If you don't see yourself as a church person, like either you're checking it out for the first time in a long time or you're just checking out for the first time, why are you watching this? Why are you listening to this? Why are you planning or thinking about maybe even becoming part of a church? Is it so that you can find a place that meets all your preferences of, you know, people, personality, place, and, and programs? I don't think it is, is it? No, you don't care about any of that. What you care about is finding God. What you care about is finding a community, a place where you can belong, a place where you can find the life that you hope is out there for you, your God-given purpose. And unfortunately, and you probably know this, people like you often become disappointed when they actually go and be like physically in and with a church, when they encounter the church, because they don't find God there. They don't find belonging there. They don't find community there. What do they find? A religious club. A religious club with its own insider language, spoken and unspoken rules and expectations, uh, maybe even mini personality cults, and like a weird religious culture that you either have to conform to or leave. And sometimes people find judgment and even outright rejection. 
Who wants that? Who has time for that? Who cares about other people's religious preferences? Why, like, why would I want to conform to someone else's idea of what I should be and what makes me a, a good religious person? Like, wh who cares? I want to find who God is. I want to find out who he made me to be. I want to experience God in my own unique way. So why does so much of what we experience and think about church differ from what we're actually really all looking for? And I believe this is why you or maybe someone you love has rejected the entire idea of church and Christianity and maybe even Jesus. We have put our religious preferences over our God-given purpose. We've forgotten why we exist. We've forgotten what the true point is. The church needs to remember who we are and what we're actually invited into. So we're going to take a little time to talk about church and what the church actually is, why it exists, how our church, Cross Creek Community Church, plays a part in it, and how all of us can find what we are actually looking for. Because here's the beginning of the good part. The church was created to be the means by which we discover what we are all looking for. So what does that mean? And what did Jesus actually envision for his church? And honestly, it's not what many of us think of when we think of church. One of Jesus' first followers, the Apostle Matthew, actually records for us the first time we see the word church in the New Testament. And so after Jesus has been with his disciples for a while, and he's been teaching and healing and doing miracles, he takes his, his 12 guys on a trip 150 miles north of Jerusalem to a city called Caesarea Philippi. It was named after the first Roman Empire, Emperor Caesar Augustus. And as they're kind of looking over like the wealth and magnificence of this Roman city, Jesus asks them a question. He asks them something pretty important, actually. He says, so after all that you've seen me do, all this stuff, who do you think I am? What do you think this all is? And so Peter, kind of being the leader of the disciples, he speaks up first. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, for hundreds of years, people have debated, like, what did Jesus really mean with the rock? And Peter's the rock, and he's going to build his church on the rock. Like, is Jesus calling Peter the first pope or, or not? But see, that misses the point of what Jesus was actually trying to say. The point wasn't what Peter is and all that. The point is, Jesus said, I will build my church. And unfortunately, we kind of miss the emphasis of, of that because we misunderstand what Jesus is saying when he says church. See, the word that, was, that we have in our English church comes from a German word meaning house of the Lord, like the place where God is. But the word Matthew used wasn't a German word meaning house of the Lord. The word Matthew used was the Greek word ekklesia, which isn't a religious word at all. It's a word that just meant a gathering of people, a, a group of people gathered together for a specific purpose, like a community of people with one goal. See, Jesus wasn't saying he was going to build this religious clubhouse based on our religious preferences. He said he was going to create a unique group of people, a group of people with one thing in common, him, his identity as the Messiah, the Son of God, God on earth, the chosen one. See, the church isn't a place we just go to to fulfill our religious preferences. The church is the worldwide community of Jesus followers. Jesus followers don't go to church. They are the church. And Jesus says even hell won't be able to conquer his community. He, the word he used is Hades, meaning the place of the dead, death. Death, he says, won't be able to conquer this community that he's creating. 
And honestly, I feel like that might have seemed a little crazy to these 12 Jewish boys looking at the, the power and might of Rome. And they have this humble, gentle teacher saying, hey, the thing that I'm starting, this community of people that you're going to be a part of, even death won't stop it. But then Jesus continued to prove who he was. He healed diseases. He declared the kingdom of God was coming. He defied the oppressive religious leaders of their time. He accepted the unaccepted. He even raised people from the dead. And the boys must have been thinking, man, this is exciting. Like, this might actually happen. He might actually create this community. But then he was killed. And they might be thinking, like, create a community that not even death can stop. But death just stopped our leader. Obviously, this thing it's not going to happen. It's impossible because Jesus didn't base this movement, this community on his teachings that would last after him. He didn't, based on some religion or a revised version of religion that he was creating, he had based the entire thing on himself and his identity. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And now he's dead and it's over. Obviously, he was wrong. But three days later, everything changed when he rose from the dead. The ultimate proof that Jesus is who he said he is and can do what he said he can do. And then a few weeks later, he called his followers together and told them what this ecclesia, what this community was created for. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Jesus tells them, he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's like all the authority. That's a lot. And what is he going to do with it? Well, he's going to empower his followers to go. To go and invite everyone else into this community, into this ecclesia. Invite them to discover what his followers had discovered. Not a list of rules, not a religious club based on our preferences. No, they discovered what we are all actually looking for. They discovered true life with and through the God who truly loves them and accepts them. They discovered the God who described them as a lost sheep that he goes and finds and leaves the other 99 to find the one. He described them as lost children who a father is just waiting to find and embrace. They discovered a God who is for us even before we are for him. They discovered forgiveness and peace and grace and purpose and meaning and joy. They discovered that to love this all-loving God means to love his, his people. They discovered the full, abundant, eternal life Jesus offers. And this is what we've missed because we've been distracted by our preferences of a place and people and personality and programs. The church is the community of Jesus followers who invites all people to encounter the all-loving God. And it's for this purpose that some of us decided to start a local expression of Jesus' ecclesia that we call Cross Creek Community Church. Now we get asked all the time, why did you name it Cross Creek? Is there some like deep spiritual meaning of like this refreshing flow of water coming out of the cross and refreshing everybody? We just thought it sounded cool. But we wanted to create a small version of Jesus' vision for his people, a community not based on preferences and shared religious rules and traditions. No, but based on inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. Cross Creek exists to invite our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. What does all that mean? 
Well, let's just look at it really quick. We exist to invite. We're inviting. We're not preaching at. We're not arguing against. We're not pushing our way. We are simply inviting through our loving words and our loving actions, inviting our neighbors. Meaning, who's our neighbor? Ask Jesus. He said, everyone is our neighbor. Whoever they are, wherever they come from, whatever they look like, why they are there, everyone is invited. Creating a community that isn't just for insiders, but is open and accessible to everyone, no matter where they are on their faith journey. Inviting our neighbors to what? To discover. And to discover, we have to explore. So we want to be a community that allows and even welcomes questions and doubts and exploration and and looking at different views of the world and, and life and God and removing every barrier that keeps people from knowing and experiencing the true love of our creator, God. We invite our neighbor to discover and enjoy. See, Jesus said he offers an abundant, full life of purpose and meaning and love and peace and forgiveness and grace. And this life isn't always an easier life, but it is a better life. And we can't help but enjoy this life. When we know how much we are loved, when we know how much we are forgiven and valued and accepted, and as we are expressing and experiencing God's love flowing through each other and to each other. So we, this, we invite our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share. See, as we discover and as we enjoy, we share it with others. We invite others not just to observe what we're doing and what this community is like, but to actually participate in this community. And when you've experienced it, you can share it. And the more you share it, the more you experience it. So we are inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share life Jesus offers. And the most important part, we're doing it together. See, Cross Creek Community Church is not a a place or religious organization. It is a community of people. I, as a lead pastor, am not Cross Creek. The leadership team is not Cross Creek. We all together are Cross Creek Community Church. And to be the ecclesia of Jesus, we need each other. We need to find our roles in this community together. Love each other and love others with each other. Serve each other and serve others with each other. See, we're not trying to be unique or cool or better than any other church. We're simply being who we were created to be and trying to remove any barrier that would keep someone from discovering, enjoying, and sharing the life Jesus offers. We're trying to exemplify God's love by loving his children. And whoever you are, wherever you've come from, you are invited to be a part of this community. First, by discovering for yourself who Jesus really is. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That is how Jesus describes himself. Not as this taskmaster, not as a God angry with you, not as a God looking to to smite you with his mighty smiter. No, he is gentle, caring, patient, all loving. So take time if you need to. Take time and explore your doubts. Ask your questions. And in doing so, and in being patient with your own faith journey, you might discover what you've been looking for all along. And all that he requires to find him is that we come. Is that we come and find him. And if you have come to that place where you have come to him, you are invited to reimagine church. How do we start? First, ask yourself a question. Do I see church 
through my preferences or through our purpose? Well, how do you know? Like, how do you know, uh, you know, if you're really doing, you know the right answer because we've been talking about it for a while. Well, ask you, let me ask you this. How do you know? What would make you leave? What would make you not be a part of the Cross Creek community? Would it be a change in the music style, a change in the building, a change in the teacher, a disagreement over a minor point of theology? Or would it be if the purpose of the church changed, that would be your breaking point? That's how you know. Is it about preferences or is it about our shared purpose? And then as we're reimagining church, remind ourselves of who Jesus really is. So let's read. And even better, like for bonus gold points, memorize what I just read, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, because this, that Jesus is our king. That is the life we are invited into. And that is the life we get to invite others into. So before we go, I want to read to you a story Jesus used when he was describing what God is like. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Our Heavenly Father is waiting for each of us with open arms. He's waiting to embrace us the moment we take that first step toward him. And I know some of us have been waiting for God to move on our behalf, whether it's an unanswered prayer or to to fix a challenging circumstance. But what I hope you are seeing is that God is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to take that first step. In fact, Jesus' brother James said, come close to God and he will come close to you. He is waiting for you with open arms and he's waiting for our neighbors. So are you ready to play your role in helping guide them back home together? If so, then come back and continue reimagining church with us because the church was created to be a guide on the road back to our Heavenly Father. Hey, thanks for watching and listening and checking us out, especially if it's your first time. 
If you liked what you saw, please click like and even subscribe so you don't miss another episode. We are a church in Salem, Oregon, and you can check us out at yourcrosscreek.com. And always, we love questions and comments and getting to know people, so please email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com. Until then, stay classy, Salem.